Girls of Product tells the story of amazing women to encourage and inspire others to follow their own paths in the product area. Hi everyone, you're listening to another episode of Girls Who Product and today we're joined by a very special guest. Her name is Alison Jolly and she is a product owner at Zalando. Welcome Alison. Hi everyone, um, yeah, super excited to be here. Can you please tell me how does it feel to wake up every morning knowing that you're a product owner at one of the largest fashion and e-commerce companies in Europe? Like, what do you feel in Powered, scared, challenged. What does it mean for you? I mean, for sure, it's definitely uh, mainly excited, right? I feel like at Zalando, we're working on a lot of really super interesting customer problems and also with the aim to be very innovative. And it's very exciting to be a part of that experience. Absolutely. I'm sure about it. Alison, I've spent some time reviewing your profile on LinkedIn and um, the information that you have shared with me. And I've got the impression that you feel yourself very comfortable and at the same time, very creative in the world of products. So you've been always experimenting with the industries you were working with, with the product. Does it just mean for you that the sky is the limit? feels like you never give up. And what is your secret of believing in yourself and keeping doing your thing? Uh, yeah, that's uh, really interesting to hear that perspective. And it actually reminds me when I was uh, had a, my going away party at work when I was leaving Australia to move to Berlin and people asked me they were like oh why Berlin you know do you have a, like a, a job there do you have a visa and I said no they said so you speak the language and I was like no they're like so you know someone or you're going with someone there and I was like no and then like and they said what happens if it doesn't work out and I think for me it's understanding that whatever happens, whether it's good or bad, that I will be able to handle it. I think um, I obviously had this vision of moving here and you know getting involved in the e-commerce industry, um, but I didn't know how that was going to happen. I just knew that whatever um, situation that I was in, that I knew that I had the skills. Um, and I think it's the difference between kind of being set on a specific destination versus kind of enjoying that journey and believing that whatever the experience that you learn from it and that it makes you stronger. Of course. So you were bas basically picking up on any opportunity was, that was out there for you, right? You were not scared of unknown. That's amazing. That's amazing. And actually, I've got here an information that uh, for almost two years, you've been working as a product owner at Next Social. Uh, Next Social, it's like a platform, as far as I know, that enables, let's say, a music band to sell merchandise on their social networks directly to their fans. So you mentioned that you've been working uh, and that you've been collaborating with the top artists like One Republic or Metallica. For me, it means that you were dealing with something very sensitive, meaning you were dealing with people's affection and their love. So how different is it to work on the product that is so personal and which is in this case like music or sports from working on any other product? I mean, you're, you're totally right. These were definitely dedicated fans and they really believed in what in their artist or band or a team. Um, but in a way that it really allowed them to express themselves, they really kind of felt like whatever this kind of, if they were following, really helped to express who they were. 
And I think in the end, there's a lot of similarities between um, that and a lot of the products we work on and including fashion. So people want to be free to be themselves and express themselves and they want to be you know, accepted by their tribe, whatever that tribe is. Um, and I think as product managers, this is one of our aims to help customers do that. And it can be actively like in this next social um, product or at Zalando, but it also can be passively where we kind of helping customers um, be more efficient with their time. So they have more time to experience the things that really matter to them. Sure. And does it also mean that you were supposed to go through the same experience as the customers were going through, like listen to Metallica's music, trying to understand really what's the drill? For sure. I mean, so every partner that we worked with, they definitely had their, their fans and all of their fans were different, right? So we needed to be able to have a platform that could cater for each of these um, like different brands. And part of that is understanding what kind of makes each of them unique. Uh, and definitely it was a challenge to be able to kind of provide something that fit across all of those experiences. Definitely listening to Metallica music is a good way to doing that or going to a, um, a Bayern Munich football game really gets you in the mood, that's for sure. would love to do something like that. Actually, for the last two years, uh, I've been talking to a lot of product managers about their life and how they got into the profession and many of them were prompting this idea that everything is a product what do you think about this statement do you really agree with it or not at all i mean my gut feel is i i wouldn't say everything is a product i mean for sure a lot of things are um marty kagan talks about products being the summation of kind of a customer business and technology so I guess the question is, is something really a product if it doesn't serve for a customer problem or if it isn't financially viable or the, or the technology doesn't even exist to make it happen? I mean, maybe it is a product, um, but it, it would be a bad one if that. Yeah, sure. How do you think we can preserve and actually shelter this true genius side of interhuman relationship like family love in the world of product and in the world of commerce because you see the tendency that nowadays many things are getting commodified even like human emotions you know um so how do you think we can actually preserve it yeah i think it's definitely something that working in product that we really need to be aware of and i think for me this is about making sure that we're solving our customer problems in a, in a genuine and meaningful way. So this doesn't mean kind of building a product that kind of has that, you know, quick buck, but really kind of developing products that have an overall experience and bring overall value to customers' lives and not something that's kind of taking away from it. Yeah, of course, it's very important. Also, another very important topic that I wanted to talk about is in the course of the past events, uh, and by that I mean the climate strikes that are taking place all over the world, um, I would like to ask the question about the impact of mass fashion industries on our environment. Of course, it's not a secret that the mass textile production uh, actually produces lots of pollution. Do you think that you can bring a change for the better in this industry? Wow, yeah, interesting um, question. 
So I think, yes. Uh, I think becoming more sustainable is something that everyone needs to contribute to, no matter what the industry, but for sure, um, Solando isn't any different. As product, we really need to be building products with a vision of tomorrow, obviously not just for today. Um, I know at Zalando we do hold the ambition to become a leading online destination for sustainable fashion in Europe by 2020. And this is really about you know, running our business responsibly and using tech and fashion experiences to you know, really enable our customers, brands and the industry just at large to be able to make more sustainable choices. Since you are having direct contact uh, with the customers, but I suppose also with the uh, some cloth producers, the fashion designers, you know, the, the producers themselves. What do you think is still lacking in this issue? What are these problems of environmental pollution caused by the industry that the fashion brands uh, are unaware themselves? Do you think that they are unaware about the damage that they're bringing sometimes? I think that it's not that they're unaware. I think brands just generally can get a lot more closer to their customers and understand that this is what their customers want. You know, we want to be able to make more sustainable choices, um, but we need to be able to make that easier for our customers, right? We need for the customers when they're making this decision between a sustainable versus non-sustainable option to really understand what it is that they're buying into and what they're paying for. And I think we can do a lot more to support them in making those decisions. I mean, I've been saying that, you know, as clothes becomes cheaper and cheaper, people start thinking about it is in the same way they do with the pizza box, you know. So they just go to H&M, they get a pair of socks uh, with the same mindset, they order pizza. How do you think we can change this um, consumption mindset and at the same time give a space for local designers to enter into the market under fair conditions? I guess I, I disagree that people think about fashion the same way they do as a pizza box. Um, I, I do think that society just generally is becoming more and more aware of the impact that we're having on the environment and fashion isn't any different. Um, at Zalando, we definitely aim to help customers find the pieces that they, they really love, that complement them and their wardrobe. Um, not something that they just buy and never wear or kind of wear once and then forget. Um, and we also want to help customers care for their fashion that they love so that that can kind of last longer. And when they're ready to part with it, when they're no longer using it, that we can also continue that circularity and have that, that um, piece available for someone else who can find value in it. I think for, you mentioned about local designers, I think, uh, yeah, generally there needs to be a lot more transparency for the products and just generally in the overall supply chain. So I know at Zalando we're working to improve that visibility by making sure that customers know exactly what they're paying for. So, um, but also helping them understand and creating more transparency across the entire value chain. You know, we want to protect obviously human rights and, and decent work and the environment just in, in general. That's very important to give an example, um, especially because Zalando is present in more than 15 countries as far as I know. Do you see any difference in the fashion consumption behaviors uh, depending on the country where you sell? Yes, <laughs> for sure. I mean, every market has different needs. Uh, there's different trends and behaviors. 
um, and also different weather, right? So even just like <laughs> it's rainy season at the moment in Berlin, like it's rain every day. And so, of course, we have, you know, people start to stock up on their their winter clothing and especially like the rain jackets and the umbrellas. I think part of understanding and like building great products for customers is knowing our uh, is knowing our market. And this is especially relevant across, like you said, over 15 markets and 26 million active customers. So let me maybe come back to your professional career growth and your product journey in general. You have first started your career in engineering and business development. Uh, so what actually made you switch into product? Yeah, I, th I think for, uh, for me, technology was always super interesting and something that I really wanted to get involved with. And I think when I first started my career, I didn't really know what were the opportunities available for me. And engineering seemed like the best place, place to start. And actually, I really enjoyed kind of the problem-solving aspect of it, having been given a problem, just kind of sitting with it, trying to figure out what would be the best way to solve that and then seeing it implemented in a way that's kind of making people's lives easier, ideally. Um, but what I was kind of missing is kind of the what of what I was building and really understanding um, the why. And this is when I started to get more involved in business development just generally and business improvement. And also when I started uh, studying my MBA, I loved business development because this was across a lot of different problems um, and kind of getting involved in a lot of processes as well. And also working more on analytical thinking um, across the entire business. But what I did find was after some time working in that field, I was missing technology, which I kind of feel is my, my passion. And this is when I really found product as a way to kind of bring these things together. So having, working on these problems, understanding the technology, how does it drive the business? What about our customer? How can we bring this all together to kind of really improve value for our customers? The ladies that I've been interviewing before, they were saying that the biggest challenge for them was to walk walking into the meeting room where like 99% of uh, participants were men and then delivering the presentation and then actually defending your opinion is not easy in this case. So did you feel any pressure on you when you were first starting in product? I definitely feel like getting my opinion to stand out was never the problem. <laughs> um, and I also walking into a meeting where most of the participants are white men. I, I don't find stre stressful, it, but that is mainly because it has been the norm for the majority of my career, unfortunately. I think the challenge more or the difficulty is to actually be heard. So you can stand out, but to be heard and for that opinion to be valued, this is you know, really um, the complexity. And my approach to do that is really to be understanding the audience. I think it's not very different to working in product where we need to understand our customer and what matters to them. In meetings, we also have to understand the perspective of our audience in order to shape the message and to be heard. And so part of that can be understanding how your idea or your um, strategy or plan, how this can bring value to your audience you know, bring them along the journey so that they also understand 
why you're proposing this and what this could mean for them and the greater company. Have you ever faced with any form of discrimination towards you just because you were a woman starting in the product career? Yes. I, when I first started, I was in a team like full of men and just generally, I mean, I felt the pressure of needing to fit in, right? And part of that is being involved in conversations that maybe like made me feel uncomfortable, but I felt like in order to be accepted by the group, this is what I needed to do, um, which of course is not what we need to do. Um, and this is something that I had learned along my journey is it's very important to kind of be yourself. And this is what the company also wants from you. They, you know, they want to have your diverse opinion. Um, but I've also been in environments where I've been hired for my expertise on a project um, and then been kind of offered or at least delegated tasks like picking up the milk because I'm one of the girls and, you know, one of the girls can do it, right? And I think it is especially important that we use these, like, moments to really give feedback, you know. So it doesn't need to be every moment, but choosing the right moments where it makes sense to really stand up for your expertise, your skills, your ideas. Um, and to make sure that you're being heard and treated fairly. Yeah, and actually to be confident in yourself first and foremost. Alison, you mentioned that you are a member of Diversity Guild. Can you talk more about that and why is embracing uniqueness so important for you? Sure, so the Diversity Guild is a volunteer group of uh, employees at Zalando who yeah, volunteer their time to support projects that address issues relating to diversity, um, inclusion and equality. And for example, earlier this year, I led an initiative to celebrate gender diversity and this involved coordinating over 18 authors across the company, across diverse backgrounds, to share content across um, the month and really to engage, uh, inspire and spark change at this topic. And another initiative before that was also being, hosting a meetup to help minor, minorities learn skills to negotiate salaries. I think it's super important for me, given my background and this different um, industries that I've been in, and I feel like there is a lot more that we can do. And I've also understood now that, you know, if I can solve these problems for myself, it's not enough. You know, we it's bringing diversity into our uh, industry isn't going to happen by one person and isn't going to happen just by the minority. It's going to happen by getting everyone on board for this and making it happen together. So in the, the Guild, we need to discuss, yeah, different kind of initiatives, um, talk about obviously personal struggles, but also how we can engage the, the wider community on these issues. You mentioned that you like photography uh, and by coincidence, I'm also a great fan of photography and from time to time I take pictures. And in my case, it helps me to take a step back um, and take some distance from the situation and look at the situation through the lens, through the intermediate. I guess in your profession where you have lots of stress, like 
meetings, dealing with customers, stakeholders. Sometimes you also need to find some sort of meditation. So don't you feel that in order to be objective, you need to look at the situation through the lens, whether it's a lens of a camera, since you're in love with photography or something else? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an interesting perspective. I never really thought of photography like that. And, but I, I think it also adds to what I mentioned earlier about being in audiences and understanding your audience and the perspective of these people. So whether it's your colleagues, your stakeholders or your customers, um, really understanding their kind of pain points and needs in order to kind of be able to address them. But I think just generally more for, for me, photography is more about awareness and looking for the beauty in everything like every day and I, th I think having a camera with you just kind of opens your eyes to the environment you're always looking out for something interesting it doesn't necessarily need to be something beautiful but something interesting different and one of my favorite things is that when I have stopped to kind of take a moment whether it's like maybe a sunset or there's like a flower or you know some little puppies sitting on the road or whatever um, and when you see someone else stopping too and, and like stopping and having a look and kind of capturing that moment too I think that's like super important that we're having that like meditation moment where you're really acknowledging your surroundings every day instead of um, always kind of just being in your mind and I think this is I mean, I think using this objective is also kind of important when looking at products as well. I mean, I think we always, you know, need to be on the lookout for what is kind of the beauty, but also the beast, maybe. I'm <laughs> like, so what's working, what's not? What do I need to raise awareness of and what do I need to like raise stakeholders' awareness of? Wow. That's the thing I would confess that's the most beautiful definition of product I've heard so far. You are a world traveler, so you've been to more than 55 countries, but you still call Australia home. Um, so what is this place that you call home? Uh, so it's actually one of the most isolated cities in the world, um, second to only to Honolulu. So, um, so I come from Perth, which is very southwest of Australia. So it's full of the beautiful beaches, the great weather, the laid-back people you've heard of, and, of course, the kangaroos, but also the sharks and the spiders. They're there as well. So, <laughs> um, and, I mean, it is a country that has over 40,000 years of Aboriginal history, um, but obviously the much more recent white history is uh, very heavily influenced from the kind of British settlements and I think it's kind of really um, started this culture of kind of life is what you make of it and being kind of supportive of the underdog and I think this is also kind of drives me a lot so everything whenever I'm working on a project and I hit like a roadblock or a wall I know okay there's a way that I can get around this I just need to figure out what it is. Does it mean that knowing who you are and where you come from makes you stand for yourself in a better way. I for sure feel lucky to have been raised in such a safe country. Um, obviously, not everyone gets that opportunity. And I also enjoy the comfort of knowing it's there waiting for me when I'm ready to go back. Um, what does make me feel stronger is knowing that I can 
also live and thrive outside of my home country. And it definitely makes me very proud to be an expat. And I'm not sure if you've heard the saying, like whenever you hear a foreign accent, it's a sign of bravery. Um, but I, but I, I think it's so true though, right? So like when you when you hear an accent, like, oh, what is that accent from? And I think it's just really interesting at really, you know, understanding people's journeys and what they've, you know, had to do to get to where they are to today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm an immigrant myself for being six years, more than that, I guess. So <laughs> totally get the feeling. We're coming to an end and I have a last question. The purpose of this interview is to inspire the other ladies out there who want to get into the product profession, but they're afraid to do so because there's so many still stereotypes and stumbling blocks on the way. So as the last word, would you send some message to these ladies who want to get into the profession, but are afraid to do so? For sure. I think like we touched on before, the main thing is believe in yourself, believe in your skills. I think one of the things that I would suggest is thinking of your product career as your first product, right? So set yourself the vision, understand what your strengths are, what are your development areas, define your first steps, test it out, you know, get some feedback from peers, from people working in the industry, from your colleagues. And just understand that, you know, if you don't try, I mean, if you, then you won't be able to learn and you won't be able to move forward. So really focus on giving it a go, making sure that you're learning. And this is where, you know, real growth will happen. Thank you so much, Alison, for joining our podcast. It was a great pleasure to have you with us. Great. Thanks for having me. It was a great experience.